Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, Thank you, and good morning to you online as well. We are actually wrapping up uh, this series, which is uh, always exciting because we got a new series coming next week. Um, Hope you can be there for that. But uh, what we've been talking about over uh, the last how many sessions is how living life with God can make a huge impact on your life now, for sure. But God tells us it's going to have a huge impact on our eternity Uh, as well. And we've been building this case that doing life with God and pursuing his blessings is the best life possible. See, this idea of you reap what you sow, man, is that an incredibly powerful uh, certain force, right? As real as gravity or death and taxes, as they say. But what you reap, what you sow So if you sow joy and unity and good things, guess what? You're going to reap those things. You're going to find those things. But on the opposite side, if you sow anger and conflict and revenge, guess what? You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to find what you're looking for. Isn't that interesting? But this also has a massive impact on our Uh, spiritual and eternal life as well. And we don't think about that part as much. And so this whole series has been designed to to kind of um, shift and reorient our thinking around what God has for us beyond this life, okay? Now, before we get into this, have any of you ever heard the saying, um, play stupid games, win stupid prizes? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I see some hands waving. Yep. I I was introduced to this saying a few years ago by my brother-in-law who is in the army and they have all sorts of fun sayings, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) and it means basically what it sounds like, right? You get what you deserve. Some examples from my life. I remember growing up and in our backyard, we had a tire swing. And one day, my older sister and the neighbor boy who was in high school at the time, so he should have known better, uh, decided it was a good idea to wind that thing up as high as it possibly could go, right? And then I was probably six at the time, and they're like, Jason, why don't you hop up in? It'll be fun, they said, right? It's like an amusement park. Don't worry. And so I get up there, and it was maybe the worst three to five minute stretch of my life. I screamed louder that day than ever since. I still haven't screamed that loud. My mom ends up having to come out and like throw herself onto this tire swing to stop me. I was spinning so fast. And of course, my older sister gets punished. She gets grounded in trouble, all that kind of stuff because, well, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, right? 
Or last week, uh, Stephanie and I, we took our kids camping to, at Inks Lake, a beautiful place. And Annabelle, our middle child, decides one night that she wants to be the one to build the fire and start the fire. And she did an incredible job. I was really proud of her. Uh, she built it up all night. She lit it first try, first try. But now, with her newfound confidence, she pulls out one of the smoldering sticks to use as a poker. And it's going fine for a couple minutes, and I look away, and you can guess what happened. Ow! And the stick drops. Well, I turn to Annabelle, nothing, nothing serious, it just got a little warm. I turn to her, and I'm like, honey, you play stupid games. <laughs> you win stupid prizes. Or I, what I really said was, well, if you play with fire, you'll get burned, right? Did you learn something from this experience? Or I'm 39. At least for a couple more weeks, I am still in my 30s. Um, I'm going to own that for the next couple weeks. Um, but not, not, not a spring chicken anymore. And so recently, just a couple weeks ago, I decide, you know, I have this list, this honeydew list of fairly labor-intensive jobs to get done around the house. Don't laugh too hard at me doing labor-intensive <laughs> jobs. Come on. <laughs> so... I decide I'm going to just tackle this list. I'm going to do it. And I do. And in my mind, in the, like it's overhead shelving in the garage. It's like uh, shed foundations and all this stuff. And in my mind, I know at the time I'm overdoing it. I'm overdoing it. I'm overdoing it. But I do it anyways. And I spend the vast majority of the next day in bed in pain. I didn't understand my dad growing up when two to three times a year he would throw his back out. I didn't understand what that meant until just recently. Because if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, right? So why am, I, why am I telling you all this? Because we know this concept really well. And I'm sure you have tons and tons of your own examples and stories. We, we live this idea of reaping and sowing, of playing games and winning prizes on a daily basis. But the Bible is saying, and what we've been looking at through this whole series, is that if you play this game right, like Paul did in 1 Corinthians 9, do you not know that in a race all runners run? but only one gets the prize, run in such a way as to win the prize. If you, if you play the game that way, if you run the race that way, the prizes are going to be incredible. Run in such a way as to get the prize. And the incredible part about this whole thing is we get to run the race. We get to play the game together. We get to cheer each other on. We get to spur each other on toward the goal. And we get to win together. So I want to spend the next few moments kind of exploring what are these prizes that are going to be so incredible? The eternal rewards that we've been talking about this whole time. We can't go through this entire series and not talk about what exactly they are. And look, this is just a bit of a disclaimer because we are talking about heavenly things. And it's difficult to wrap our brains around this. And there are, uh, there's a number of different interpretations and perspectives on some of the passages I'm going to, to use this morning. But I'm giving you what I'm considering the best representation I can give. Because even John uh, had difficulty explaining a lot of this stuff in the, in the book of Revelation. And so if you hear something today that you're like, ah, you know, Jason, I'm not quite sure about that. That's, that's great. 
Go and research it. Open up the Bible. See what you find. But the point of today is that our view of eternity is so small compared to what God has in store for us. It's so small. So let's start off with the one I think we hear the most about. And uh, we've, I believe, even used this passage in this series already. But Matthew 6, uh, talking about treasure. It's a well-known passage. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this passage is a little bit of a strange one for me because when I grew up, I thought, when, when I thought about heaven and eternity, I thought about floating in the sky with God and singing with the angels, sort of this ghost-like, ethereal, blissful state that we would be in, right? And so when I get to a passage like this, what good is treasure going to be if that's what we're doing? Why would I spend so much effort here and now, if all we're going to be doing is flying around and singing, right? Well, I know now that my, my understanding of heaven was flawed. My view of heaven was so, so small. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more in an upcoming series, but suffice it to say for now, eternity is going to be so much more than that. There's going to be things for us to do, jobs for us to work, people for us to interact with. There will be a reason, a real reason for the treasure that we're laying up for eternity. And so we see passages like this one in 1 Timothy 6. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides with us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life or so you can live the best life possible in eternity, right? So anytime we, we do a good deed or, or we're generous or we're willing to share, We've been, uh, the, all the things we're willing to share, all the things we've been blessed with we, with, we immediately lay up that treasure to be used later for the coming age. It's guaranteed and immediately there waiting for us. Earthly wealth and stuff, we know this. It's so uncertain. But spiritual wealth stored up through uh, good deeds, being rich in good deeds is guaranteed and it's interesting that in this passage, they, he calls out the rich and not to say it's bad to be rich at all or that you should give all your money away. It's not saying that at all. It's a blessing from God and it's okay to enjoy that. Um, but he says, there's a chance you're going to be distracted by that. You're going to get arrogant with that. You're going to put all of your hope, all of your um, thoughts into that. So he says, focus that wealth and do good with it. Be willing to share when God puts opportunities in front of you and you'll be rewarded for that. You'll have that treasure waiting for you uh, in heaven. So I think that's the one we hear the most about, this treasure. But what about the rest? Are there other rewards or is treasure it? And of course, the answer is yes. There are uh, way more than just treasure waiting 
and we're, we're not even going to get to all of them today. Uh, but the interesting thing about the rest of the rewards, all of the other rewards are contingent on sticking with God through difficulty, doing life with him well through to the end of your life, right? People who are victorious, as we'll see, or, per, or who persevere um, or who overcome. And the, one of the first rewards that we see for those who stick with God through to the end of life is his approval, God's approval. What you see in 2 Timothy 2, do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. And okay, this, this is another one that seemed a little bit strange to me because you're telling me you can believe in Jesus for everlasting life. You can have your sins forgiven. You can, you can be allowed entrance into eternity with God. You're an heir of God adopted into his family. And yet you don't have his approval. Doesn't that seem a little bit strange? But think about it. As believers, we are all um, given uh, a life to invest, to do something with. And we will give an account to God about how we lived this life. And Pastor Brian talked about this earlier in the series. It's called the Bema Seat Judgment, uh, where Christians will give an account uh, before Jesus for how they lived this life. And don't get me wrong. We are all in. We've believed in Jesus. We have entry into eternity with him. But think about it. Some certainly will have done more with the life that they were given than others, right? And so I want to go to a parable that Jesus told in Luke 19 that, that may shed some light on this. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 uh, minas. But uh, he said, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Now, put it into perspective, like we've been given this life. He's blessed us with so many things. And he says, go, put this to work until I come back. And so in the story, he goes and gets appointed king in this other land and comes back. And the servants uh, need to account for what they did with what they were given. It says, then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. And this next statement is what we want to hear at the end of our lives when we're in front of them. This approval statement and the rewards that come with that. He says, well done, my good servant. Well done. Can you imagine being in front of Christ, giving an account for your life? And he says, well done. Well done. Slow clap, right? Well done. See, he says, because you have been trustworthy with a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. See, this servant, he maximized his abilities to get a return. He was all in. He maximized it through to the end. And then the second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Now notice that there was a reward, but it certainly wasn't the same as the first servant. And he didn't get the approval statement. Well done, my good servant. He didn't get that. And that's because he didn't maximize his abilities with what he was given. He kind of gave a half effort. And it goes on. Then another servant came and said, sir, here's your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. 
I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. See, all three of these servants were part of the kingdom. They, they received the blessings associated by, uh, with being his servants. They were in. And the first one won approval because of the work that he put in. Again, he maximized what he had. And then the second one did about half. And so there was some re reward, but certainly not as much. And, and then the third, from what we can tell, did basically nothing with what he was given. God has blessed each of us with a life that he wants us to invest. He wants us to maximize what he's given us. So, and we should want that. So at the end of our lives, we can hear those words from Christ. Well done. Well done, my good servant. And that's one of the major rewards we see. Now, I want to clarify this. Um, this is a momentary judgment, again, called the Bema Seat Judgment. And this judgment and possible rewards happens when we're accounting for our lives lived here on earth. And there, there's going to be a host of different emotions and feelings during that time, right? There could be confidence and approval, uh, certainly for those that hear those words, but there could be shame as well. But it's important to understand that that shame is not going to carry with us for all eternity. And it's important that God's not going to carry disapproval for all eternity, but we may have a mixture of different feelings and emotions during that time as we account for the lives that we lived. So, do your best. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Okay, let's move on. We have a time for a couple more of these. Um, and here, here's some interesting ones. Uh, that we see in the Bible. And apparently, again, these are for those who persevere, who overcome, who are victorious in this life, who stick with God and do life with God through to the end. And we have special clothing. Isn't that interesting? Revelation 3 um, says, they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in, in white. And this was written about a church in Sardis who was essentially playing church. They looked really good on the outside, but they, they weren't living it out on the inside. But there were a few in the church of Sardis that were still committed to faith. They were still committed to doing life with God. And it's those ones that remained that he's talking about that will walk with him dressed in white. Now, Tony Evans, in his commentary on this passage, he says, white clothes for the one who conquers represent the garments required for a special event, like a gown or a tuxedo for today. It's to be worn uh, to an exclusive party, so to speak, for those who persist in spiritual vitality, a banquet with God for those who conquer. I mean, talk about a reward. How awesome would it be for Jesus to invite us to a party where he's going to acknowledge us before God the Father and his angels? I mean, talk about a reward. And we'll see later, it's, it's this idea of a, a special, exclusive fellowship with God the Father. 
I mean, wow. For those who persevere, who are victorious in this life, who do life with him well to the end. Another one is life-enhancing foods. Foods. And there, there's two foods uh, that we see that are reserved for believers who conquer, who overcome. It's manna and the fruit of the, uh, uh, the, fruit of the tree of life. Now, Revelation 2, 17, it says, to the one who is victorious, again, I will give some of the hidden manna. And in Revelation 2, 7, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And again, this brings up so many questions to my mind. Like, are we going to be eating after we die? Because that sounds like a lot of carbs. Like, <laughs> now, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you're thinking like me uh, around all of these things again, our view of eternity is so small. It's so much more than that. So let's reorient our thinking and dream bigger. Another one we have is a new name. This one's interesting. Revelation, again, 2.17. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it known only to the one who receives it. Now, this for me is right up there with the spirit, uh, the special clothing. See, in Roman times, uh, a white stone was used as an admission ticket to an event. A white stone with somebody's name on it was like a personalized all-access pass to this event. So again, this reinforce, reinforces this idea of an exclusive fellowship, personal fellowship with God. And the list of rewards goes on and on and on for those who, who persevere, who do life well with him through to the end. The Bible talks about uh, ruling with him, being granted special entrance into eternity, a fullness of life or an abundance of life um, in eternity. And we can't cover all of these today. But as we said earlier, the, the point of today is our, our view of eternity is so small compared to what it's going to be, but how we live life now right now has a huge impact on the quality of our eternal experience. Now, before we close, I want to reassure you on a couple things. Uh, we've covered, we've seen this over and over again, Jesus in the New Testament uh, talking about God's kingdom and, and um, demonstrating leadership and what leadership is going to be like in God's kingdom and it's servant leadership. We've been made to glorify God by loving him and serving others. So all of these privileges, all of these rewards that we're, that we're talking about will allow those who receive them to do that, to love others and serve others, to glorify God by loving others and serving others. And so everyone benefits from these. It's not all about you. Shocker, right? It's not all about you. So what do we do with all of these things? Again, we don't know exactly what these are going to look like. Uh, we have earthly explanations for heavenly things here. But for me, it shines a light on how expansive and incredible heaven and eternity are going to be. It shows that God delights. That's an interesting phrase to me. God delights in rewarding his people. And we should be excited about that. We should be excited about experiencing something that delights our Heavenly Father. But in all this, how you live your life now, 
The choices you make now, the way you treat your neighbor now, doing life with God now makes all the difference in how we experience the rest of our eternity. So go back and review some of the, the sermons in this series. This is kind of a all-in-one type of package. Review some of the things that we've learned and, and live life with God. We keep saying this over and over again. Live life with God. Live life out of love for God and love for others. And know that he knows. Know that he sees. And he's wanting and waiting and excited and delights in rewarding you accordingly. Be excited about that. It's going to be way more than anything we can dream up. Let's pray. God, you are so good. Thank you um, for who you are, what you've done for us, the, the rewards that you, you give us. God, we don't understand you sometimes. It's, we don't deserve rewards. It's not about us, but it delights you to reward your people. And so thank you that we get to experience that with you. And God, give us strength this week. Remind us that what we do today makes an eternal impact. And give us strength and wisdom to do life with you in those moments. That we can store up treasure. That we can persevere through difficult times and through good times. That we wouldn't get distracted by earthly wealth, but we'd be willing to share when you put opportunities in front of us. God, you're so good. We love you. Pray this in your name. Amen. All right. If you guys want prayer, we have a team that will be up front um, and that would love to, to pray with you. And uh, otherwise, you guys have a good week, and we'll see you next one.